It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. If you enjoyed this episode on Film Star and Very Good Boy Rin Tin Tin, be sure to check out our Dog Tales podcast. Every Monday, embark on a new journey of courage, service, and unwavering sacrifice by our most loyal companions. Follow Dog Tales free on Spotify and anywhere you listen to podcasts. On the morning of September 15, 1918, United States Army Air Service Corporal Lee Duncan hiked through France's Meuse Valley. The aerial gunner was scouting for a place where his unit could land a plane. He came across an abandoned kennel. In previous years, it had supplied the Imperial German Army with German shepherds for police and military use. But when Duncan entered, he was greeted by a gruesome sight. Dozens of dogs slaughtered, casualties of recent bombing and artillery raids. Then, Duncan heard rustling. Amongst the ruin was a small litter of five German Shepherd puppies. They were less than a week old. Their eyes weren't yet open. If Duncan didn't do something, they wouldn't survive much longer. He brought all of the dogs back to his camp. It wasn't easy, but he nursed them back to health. The pups and their mother were eventually adopted by members of the unit. Duncan kept two, a male and a female. He named them after a pair of dolls popular with French soldiers during World War I, Nanette and Rin Tin Tin. In May 1919, Duncan and his puppies left Europe and the war behind to return home to California, completely unaware of the remarkable adventure that lay ahead. Welcome to Dog Tales, a podcast original. Every week, we tell the stories of historic, heroic canines. We'll profile dogs who saved people from earthquakes, went to outer space, and even spurred the invention of Velcro. If you're looking for fun stories and a warm heart, you're barking up the right tree. I'm your host, Alastair. You can find episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Dogtales for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Dogtales in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. 
And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. This week, we're telling the absolutely incredible story of Rin Tin Tin, the German Shepherd. From humble beginnings to the silver screen, the unlikely canine star broke into the film industry and acted his way into America's hearts. In May 1919, 26-year-old Corporal Lee Duncan was thrilled to head home to Los Angeles, California after two years deployed overseas. Unlike most soldiers in World War I, Duncan was returning with a larger family than when he left. He'd rescued two German Shepherd puppies from a kennel in France that had been devastated by bombings and artillery raids. Their names were Rin Tin Tin and Nanette. Having a dog as a companion was good for Duncan, especially as he transitioned back into civilian life. Organizations like Companions for Heroes, which pair ex-soldiers with service animals, say that veterans with service dogs report feeling safer, more loved, and more protected than those without. Furry friends can reduce their risk of depression and suicidal thoughts, as well as lower the chances that they'll resort to drugs or alcohol in order to cope with their trauma. Though Rin Tin Tin and Nanette weren't certified service dogs, they were saving graces to Duncan as he wrapped up his deployment. In his words, the two crept right into a lonesome place in his life and became a part of him. Unfortunately, Nanette didn't make it to California. She developed pneumonia in transit and tragically passed away. Though Nanette and Duncan had only spent eight months together, her love had made a lasting impression on him, and her passing left a hole in his heart. In an attempt to fill it and to provide Rin Tin Tin with some company, Duncan adopted another German Shepherd. To honor the deceased, he named her Nanette too. Duncan took great joy in training Nanette too and Rin Tin Tin, who he nicknamed Rinty. Their time together was an escape from his restlessness and the anxiety of post-war life. Rinty was much more than a dog. He was a piece of Duncan's heart. Along with his friend Eugene Pallette, Duncan and Rin Tin Tin often went hiking in the Sierras of California. As Pallette hunted with his dogs, Duncan used the time to teach Rin Tin Tin new tricks. Duncan was a devoted trainer, but far from a professional. His intentions were to eventually breed Rin Tin Tin and Annette too, then sell some of their pups. If Rinty could win some awards at dog shows, his puppies might be worth more money. In 1922, three-year-old Rin Tin Tin entered his first dog show at the Shepherd Dog Club of America in Pasadena, California. Duncan was a founding member of the club and had high hopes for Rinty's performance. He was gorgeous, expressive, and an athletic dog. 
In her book Rin Tin Tin: The Life and the Legend, Susan Orlean describes the German Shepherd at the time of entry. His coat was lustrous and dark with gold marbling. His tail was as bushy as a squirrel's, and he was as light on his feet as a mountain goat. His ears were comically large. His face was more arresting than beautiful. Instead of a look of doggy excitement, it was something more tender, as if he was viewing with charity and resignation the whole enterprise of living and striving and hoping. Unfortunately, the show at the Ambassador Hotel didn't go as Duncan had hoped. Rin Tin Tin easily displayed his athleticism, but his behavior didn't earn him any points with the judges. As Duncan put it, he wasn't ring trained. He could perform tricks, but in the bustling environment, it was too easy for Rin Tin Tin to get distracted or lose his temper. On more than one occasion, he even snapped at the judges. Perhaps early signs of a diva in the making. Ultimately, Rin Tin Tin and Duncan left the competition empty-handed. Their only prize was each other's company. For Rinty, that was more than enough. Sometime after their loss at the show, Duncan was walking Rin Tin Tin when a newspaper delivery truck sped past them. One of the workers heaved a stack of papers off the truck, and it slammed into Rin Tin Tin, knocking him down on the concrete. He got back up, but yelped in pain as he struggled to walk. A visit to a local veterinarian confirmed that Rin Tin Tin had broken his leg in four different places. His career as a show dog had only just begun. And he already needed a medical hiatus. The injury was difficult for everyone involved. The first day Duncan left Rin Tin Tin home alone to go to work, his moans and howls filled the entire apartment complex. They were so loud that Duncan's neighbors allegedly thought the cries belonged to a person, someone mourning the death of a loved one. When Duncan came home, they expressed their condolences for his loss. He couldn't help but laugh before setting the record straight. His beloved German Shepherd was mourning nothing more than an active lifestyle, or maybe his breakfast that he'd finished too fast. Without the use of one paw, Rinty was more dependent on his best friend than ever. Simple tasks like climbing the stairs, rolling over, or sitting up straight were difficult. In this time, Duncan was there to help him with everything. They'd been friends before, but now they were inseparable. Nine months passed, but all the while, the bond between Rin Tin Tin and Duncan only strengthened. Just one day after the cast was removed. Duncan and Rin Tin Tin were back, doing what they loved, training and performing tricks for anyone who cared to watch. One month after that, Rin Tin Tin was back in perfect health. He'd even learned to jump higher than before. 
Sometime around 1921, Duncan decided to enter Rin Tin Tin in another show at the Shepherd Dog Club of America. This time, they were more prepared. They knew what to expect. One of Duncan's friends, a man named Charlie Jones, was in the audience. He'd recently developed a slow-motion camera, and the bustling activity of a dog show seemed like the perfect place to test it out. This time, Rin Tin Tin didn't disappoint. His performance was flawless. Duncan beamed with pride. The roughly 85-pound shepherd even cleared a jump that was 11 feet 9 inches high. He leapt straight over the heads of the judge and several others in attendance. After all was said and done, Rin Tin Tin tied for first place with a female shepherd named Marie. It was victory enough for Rinty and Duncan. The dynamic duo went home happy. Afterwards, Rinty was featured in a number of local Los Angeles newspapers. Duncan clipped the stories out for safekeeping. As he did, he never imagined that one day his little Rinty would make headlines all over the world. Later, Duncan replayed Jones's video footage from the show. He sat in the dark watching his pup's performance over and over. His Rinty was a natural, and the jump? It was absolutely captivating to watch in slow motion. Once the seed was planted, he couldn't shake the thought. Why couldn't Rinty be in the movies? He was, after all, the greatest dog in the entire world. Duncan just needed a way to make the film industry recognize what he already saw. Coming up, Rin Tin Tin gets his big break in Hollywood. Now back to the story. By the end of 1921, three-year-old German shepherd Rin Tin Tin had been through a lot in his short life. After being rescued in France during World War I, he traveled to California, lost his sister Nanette to pneumonia, had a miserable performance in his first dog show, and broke his leg. After his recovery, though, things started to look up. Rin Tin Tin entered another competition and placed first. And after watching footage of Rinty's performance, his owner Duncan couldn't shake the idea that Rin Tin Tin could be a star. And the dream didn't spring out of nowhere. The movie industry was booming. Half of all Americans were seeing at least one film every week, and 80% of the world's films were being made just around the corner from Rin Tin Tin's home in Hollywood. The energy of the industry pulsed up and down the streets of Los Angeles. Duncan was only one degree of separation away. His hiking buddy Eugene Palette was a character actor. He'd been featured in almost a hundred different Hollywood films, including Tarzan of the Apes and the infamous Birth of a Nation. Not to mention, there was already a precedent for leading canines. Animals played an important role in early film, in part because they were widely available, didn't need to be paid much, if anything, and could be easily directed. 
Not to mention, humans have an innate ability to project their identity and emotions onto animals. When a human actor is cast in a role, say Julia Roberts, it actually makes it harder for audiences to empathize. Not everyone is thin, brunette, white, pretty, a woman, etc. But since canine actors are so different from people, audiences can project whatever qualities or personality traits they want onto them. They have a much wider mass appeal. In a very real sense, a dog is more relatable than Julia Roberts. When Lee Duncan started thinking about putting Rin Tin Tin in movies, Jean, the Vitagraph dog, had already made a name in the entertainment industry. The female Border Collie headlined silent films in Jean the Matchmaker and Jean Rescues. In 1921, a German shepherd named Strongheart starred in the film The Silent Call. It was about a part wolf, part coyote, part dog struggle between its predatory instincts and the domestic life it once had. The New York Times called Strongheart a magnificent creature and an excellent photographic subject and an interesting performer. He is not one of your tiresome trick dogs, but an apparently independent animal. Audiences loved him. Reviewers praised his gravity. Most of the earlier dogs of the silver screen had comedic roles, but Strongheart was seen as a dramatic actor. Some claimed he was capable of crying with an emotional depth that otherwise only humans were capable of, even though dogs aren't able to produce real tears. The silent call grossed $1 million, the equivalent of more than $12 million today. One year after its release, German Shepherds were one of the most popular breeds in the United States, and Hollywood producers, wanting to follow in Strongheart's footsteps, were demanding German Shepherd performers. So Duncan took Rin Tin Tin to the studios. As Duncan and Rin Tin Tin walked up and down Poverty Row, an area of Hollywood filled with B-movie studios, Duncan was filled with hope. He was open to any opportunity for Rin Tin Tin, no matter how small. At first, their efforts were to no avail. As Duncan wrote in his autobiography, I was told they were not interested in my dog or my story. To them, I was just another dog trainer with his dog. But in 1922, his persistence started to pay off in small dividends. As with most things in Hollywood, success was about being in the right place at the right time. A camera-shy wolf on the set of the melodrama Man from Hell's River wasn't working out. It just so happened that the dynamic Rin Tin Tin and his faithful owner were there to step in. There's no surviving copy of the film, but we know that Rin Tin Tin played a sled dog and was not credited. Variety magazine's review of the movie does, however, mention one Rin Tan.
Following his first major film, Rin Tin Tin landed another small part as a household dog in a film called My Dad. It was another melodrama that didn't make much of an impact at the box office. But the movie was the bright-eyed canine's first named credit. The castless read, Rin Tin Tin, played by himself. Neither Man from Hell's River nor My Dad rocketed Rin Tin Tin to fame. Lee Duncan and his beloved German Shepherd were still just another dog-owner pair hitting the pavement of Poverty Row, searching for an opportunity that might one day change their lives. Then, in 1923, an opportunity came along that did just that. 31-year-old Duncan and 5-year-old Rinty waltzed into a small, no-name movie studio in Hollywood. It was in a converted, drafty old barn. The unknown production company had been founded by four brothers from Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Their names? Harry, Sam, Albert and Jack Warner. The Warner Brothers. The account of what happened in the Sunset Boulevard studio is perhaps slightly exaggerated, but Duncan's retelling goes, Harry Warner was directing a scene that featured a wolf from the Los Angeles Zoo. He was having a tough time. The wolf wasn't exactly an agreeable scene partner, although we don't have the details of exactly what he was doing. But seizing the opportunity, Duncan rubbed dirt into Rin Tin Tin's fur to make him look more like a wolf. Then he approached the director and asked him to give Rin Tin Tin a chance. One chance is all they'd need. Harry said yes, and the rest is history. Rin Tin Tin was a natural able to follow commands, hit his marks, and deliver the performance Harry needed. His expressive face and enormous ears pandered perfectly to the camera. Duncan had always known that there was something special about his Rinty. Now others might notice as well. Afterward, Harry expressed his deep gratitude for Rin Tin Tin's last-minute substitution and for Duncan's assistance. He was so grateful, in fact, that he agreed to read a screenplay that Duncan had written called Where the North Begins. He told Duncan that within the next 30 days, he'd let him know if he was willing to make an offer. While they waited, Rin Tin Tin performed a small part in a film directed by William Desmond. Right after it wrapped, Duncan and Rin Tin got a letter in their mailbox. It was from Harry Warner who wanted to buy the rights for Duncan's screenplay. And he wanted to cast Rin Tin Tin as the lead. Filming began almost immediately. It was a melodrama through and through. The movie opens on its protagonist, a young German Shepherd puppy. Due to circumstances beyond its control, the unfortunate dog is cast into the wild where it's raised by a pack of wolves. As the wolf dog gets older though, its travels bring it into contact with local humans. It befriends a French fur trapper named Gabriel Dupree. Their relationship is tepid at first, but eventually Dupree and the dog develop a mutual, tender and loving relationship. Dupree, however, 
has enemies. A treacherous trading post manager wants to steal his sweetheart. As part of his plan to ruin Dupree's reputation, the trading post manager accuses the wolf dog of killing a baby. Soured and hurt by the accusations, the dog returns to the wild. But all is not lost. The movie has a dark but hopeful ending. Spoilers. Eventually, the wolf dog's name is cleared and he rekindles his relationship with Dupree. And he then kills the evil trading post manager. The movie was filmed in the High Sierras and was directed by Chester Franklin. It co-starred silent film actors Walter McGrail, Claire Adams and Pat Hartigan. Duncan was in awe of big-budget filmmaking. In his autobiography, he wrote, It didn't seem like work. Even Rinty was bubbling over with happiness out in the woods and snow. Despite some minor problems on set, including Rin Tin Tin chasing foxes, getting quilled by a porcupine, and occasionally losing his temper, the Warner Brothers were thrilled with his performance. The movie even featured a 12-foot jump by Rinty, three inches higher than the award show leap that had started it all. After all the excitement of production, it was time to see if audiences would recognize that special spark that Duncan had always known was there. The film premiered in a small theater in Glendale, California. The audience gave it a standing ovation. Variety's review read, Here is a crackling good film, and Rin Tin Tin is the show. The film cost just shy of $75,000 to make and earned upwards of $400,000 at the box office, huge profit margins for the time. And allegedly, not a moment too soon. Warner Brothers was near bankruptcy. Duncan and Rinty didn't know it at the time, but they needed Rin Tin Tin more than he needed them. Luckily, the movie star dog was there to save the studio and become a Hollywood legend in the process. Coming up, Rin Tin Tin becomes the most famous dog in the world. Now back to the story. By the end of 1922, five-year-old German shepherd Rin Tin Tin was the star of the Warner Brothers movie Where the North Begins. The screenplay was penned by his 31-year-old owner, Lee Duncan, and the finished film was a box office smash. It didn't quite match the success of Silent Call, a movie starring Rin Tin Tin's biggest competitor, Strongheart, the German Shepherd, but it was still the hit that Warner Brothers desperately needed. As the canines in the film industry rose to new heights, stories of wonder dogs also started to play out in real life too. In 1923, a dog named Bobby allegedly walked six months through the wilderness to find his owners. He traveled from Indiana all the way to Oregon. In 1925, a husky named Balto famously saved an Alaskan town from a diphtheria epidemic. In 1928, Buddy, America's first seeing-eye dog, gave newfound freedom to a blind man named Morris Frank. 
If you're interested in learning more about these heartwarming heroes, you should check out their episodes of Dog Tales. But the point was, the American public was captivated by tales of heroic canines and demanding more. Hundreds of bright-eyed pooches flooded Hollywood to take advantage of the zeitgeist, especially German shepherds. In direct response to the success of Strongheart and Rin Tin Tin, dogs like Wolfheart, Lightning, Ace the Wonder Dog, Rex, Pearl, Silverwolf, King, Tarzan, Napoleon, Klondike and Lobo all appeared on screen in the 1920s and early 30s. There were more than 50 K-9 film stars in total, and all of them were German shepherds. But even as the market became saturated, Rin Tin Tin managed to shine above the rest. In just over three years following his starring turn in Where the North Begins, Rin Tin Tin was the leading actor in 10 more films. Acclaimed poet Carl Sandburg called the canine phenomenal and thrillingly intelligent. He wrote, He has the power of expression in his every movement. And with fame came promotional tours and publicity stunts. Rin Tin Tin and Duncan traveled the country giving interviews and visiting schools, hospitals, orphanages and animal shelters. Though Duncan was present through it all, nobody was there to see him. They were there to see his Rinty. And he couldn't have been more proud. Duncan and Rin Tin Tin also gave demonstrations on how a dog was able to perform on set. It was largely hand signals mixed with a few vocal cues, and they were mesmerizing to watch. Duncan didn't believe in rewarding Rin Tin Tin with too many treats. He was more motivated by play. So after each show, Duncan broke out Rinty's favorite toy, a small doll perfect for fetch or tug of war. Francis Rule, writer from Picture Play magazine, went to see one of the behind-the-scenes displays. He described the acting exercises he witnessed, between that dog and his master is as perfect an understanding as could possibly exist between two living beings. Their friendship and bond was part of what made Rin Tin Tin so successful. In a sea of Hollywood pups, Rinty had a leg up. Yes, he was good on film, but more importantly, Duncan was devoted to him and his career. And while they toured America, Rin Tin Tin's movies started touring the world. Silent film was a particularly effective medium for international showings. All it needed was a new translated set of intertitles to replace the English ones. Germany, known to have its fair share of film critics, particularly fell in love with the superstar. In the words of an admirer, he was human, human in the real big sense of the word. As if he wasn't busy enough, Rin Tin Tin was also a father. Duncan had followed through on his plan to breed his dogs, and Rinty and his dog wife, Nanette too, were having litters of puppies. Altogether, they had 48, and all of them were in high demand. 
Rin Tin Tin's descendants found homes with Hollywood royalty like Greta Garbo and Jean Harlow, as well as successful entrepreneurs like W.K. Kellogg of serial fame. And by the mid-1920s, Rin Tin Tin's name only got bigger. Literally. In advertising, it grew and grew until eventually his credit was featured above even the title of the films. He started to receive honors. New York City Mayor Jimmy Walker awarded him a key to the city. The Music Box Theatre presented him with the Abraham Lincoln Humanitarian Award. It recognized his distinguished service in the industry and the love he'd brought to so many. Celebrities like Ed Sullivan, Jackie Cooper and Myrna Loy all wanted a piece of Rinty. They asked for photo ops with Hollywood's hippest dog. By 1924, he had his own salary, entirely separate from Duncan's. In the film Lighthouse by the Sea, the lead human actor was paid $150 per week. Rin Tin Tin made $1,000, over six times more than his co-star. Over the course of their career, Rin Tin Tin and Duncan made over $5 million in modern currency. Besides being a friend, Rinty was Duncan's winning lottery ticket. But Duncan swore that he'd had no intention of becoming rich or famous. The only thing he wanted was for the world to recognize his best friend's talent. In fact, he never even trademarked the name Rin Tin Tin. Between 1922 and 1931, Rinty starred in an astounding 27 different movies, including The Lone Defender, While London Sleeps, Clash of the Wolves, and Rough Waters. He even broke out of silent film and did four with sound, including a 12-part chapter play called The Lightning Warrior. This format was a precursor to television, in which multiple shorts were screened over the course of weeks to tell a complete story. By the end of Rin Tin Tin's career, Warner Brothers Studios was worth more than $200 million, and they owed a significant portion of their success to a particularly expressive, particularly happy German Shepherd. The studio that had started as the home for melodramas became almost synonymous with Rin Tin Tin. Allegedly, those who worked with the Warners referred to Rinty as their mortgage lifter. Anytime they were in financial straits, they simply released another Rin Tin Tin movie to compensate. But the dog didn't have an exclusive contract with Warner Brothers. He performed in other mediums as well. He made television appearances and was featured in a book called The Little Folk Story of Rin Tin Tin. Later in his life, he even did radio, a show called The Wonder Dog. Though some of the barking effects in this show were Rin Tin Tin, most of it was actually performed by a human. In 1931, Rin Tin Tin was 13 years old, extremely aged for a German shepherd, and still acting. The loyal, energetic canine spent his days basking in the spotlight, right up to the very end. When he passed away from natural causes on August 10th, 
1932, at the age of 14, America grieved. News bulletins interrupted television broadcasts. Papers around the world ran his obituary. An hour-long TV program about his life aired the very next day. In just a 14-year lifespan, the German Shepherd had a longer career in Hollywood than most humans. And today, Rin Tin Tin's legacy lives on. A few of his children, Rin Tin Tin 2 and Rin Tin Tin 3, went on to star in films. Rin Tin Tin 4 headlines the 50s ABC television series The Adventures of Rin Tin Tin. In addition to working in the entertainment industry, Rinty's modern-day descendants are allegedly trained as service dogs for children with special needs. To forever cement his celebrity, Rin Tin Tin was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Now, he'll always be remembered as the star that saved Warner Brothers Studios. Without him, we might not have movies like The Matrix, The Dark Knight, or Harry Potter. In 2019, the majority of his films became part of the public domain. They're now available to view and marvel at for free. And to those of us who watch, listen, and remember, Rin Tin Tin will forever be a symbol of what can happen with a little luck, a lot of perseverance, and a best friend by your side. Thanks for listening to Dog Tales. For more information about Lee Duncan and his dog Rin Tin Tin, we found the book Rin Tin Tin, The Life and the Legend by Susan Orlean especially helpful to our research. Every dog has his day, and our day is Mondays. We'll be back then with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like Dog Tales for free from your phone, desktop or smart speaker. To stream Dog Tales on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Join us next week for another good story about a good dog. Dog Tales was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Travis Clark, and Joel Stein. This episode of Dog Tales was written by Connor Sampson, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Alastair Murden. <laughs>